Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He's Paul Dottino. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes as we will recap Sunday's loss to the Seahawks in Week 8 as the Giants now head into the bye before they will get ready to host the Houston Texans. In multiple ways, you can interact with us here on the program. You give us a ring, 201-939-4513, hashtag Giants Chat. A reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. So we had another game that was relatively close heading into the fourth quarter, and then the Seahawks were able to pull away with 14 unanswered points. So we actually had a game that did not get decided ultimately by one score, but still the final score doesn't necessarily fully express how highly contested this game was for the bulk of the first three quarters. But Paul, I want to go back to conversations we'd had previously, and it was something that at least I was thinking about. I was very curious to see how this team would perform if an opponent decided to really hone in on stopping their run game. And I'm not just talking about Saquon. I'm talking about taking away Daniel Jones's legs as an option as well and how this offense could function. And could they methodically still move up and down the field and get into the end zone? And granted, it's a small sample size, but I think we got some of those answers yesterday where the Seahawks were very effective in containing Barkley, more important, containing Jones, who only had six runs for 20 yards. And now all of a sudden... You're down two scores, you have to throw the ball, and it proved to be very tough sledding. So we got some exposure to that scenario. How they adjust moving forward is going to be, I think, a real telling sign about how this team can handle similar circumstances. Well, I think the interesting part here, Lance, is that all along we've seen a Giants team that was able to pound the rock and continue to go back to the running game and then in the fourth quarter break through. We talked during the course of the pregame show yesterday at how by far they were the most dominant running team in the second half of games, and they did that in games that were tied or within a score or certainly within 10 points and able to finally break the rock. That did not happen yesterday, and I think there are a couple of reasons for it. First of all, they went down by the, that second score that you mentioned with about five and a half minutes to go, so time was a factor. It wasn't like they were down by two scores 
in the middle of the third quarter or even the beginning of the fourth after the Richie James uh, punt fumble, uh, which set up that second touchdown. Now they're down by two touchdowns with five and a half to play. That's that's suicide. There's just, you know, there's no way they could possibly use their old formula to survive this one, given the timing of where that lead expanded. So I think that's the first point to keep in mind. So I, I'm going to downplay your, your, your scenario just a little bit because I think the timing was a huge factor. I think the second part to this, uh, you're right. They absolutely jammed rushing lanes on Barkley and jammed rushing lanes on, on Jones. And it looked to me like their theory was, and I've been saying this for years, ever since these running quarterbacks, RG3, and these other guys started coming into this league, you get a running quarterback like that, you know what you do? You assign a defender to him, and you just whack him. Literally. Yeah. Look at him. I don't care what he does. I don't care where he goes. I got a guy on him, almost like a spy, and I'm going to play through him, and I'm going to hit him. And if he gets rid of the ball, he gets rid of the ball. Okay? Fine. He's going to pay for that running option. And that, to me, is what Seattle did better than anybody has done so far to Daniel Jones and this is why it is extremely dangerous for the Giants or any other team to believe that a huge component of their offense can be one of these running quarterbacks because eventually you will pay the piper for it. Yeah, it's very difficult to sustain. I guess my larger point, though, I was focusing, of course, on the late-game situation, but the bottom line is, Paul, they were not able to lean on the run from start to finish. No. Because the Seahawks were very effective. Look at this, 28 carries, six runs for no gain or negative yards. So about a quarter of their runs gave them really nothing. And then normally every game, whether it be the first quarter, the second quarter, the third quarter, the fourth quarter, there was some semblance of explosiveness in the rushing attack. There was none of that. They had no runs over 15 yards yesterday. Right whether it be Saquon or Daniel. So that's the other major takeaway, how the Seahawks, they weren't saying, okay, we're not going to let you try to get back in the game late. We're going to make you have to lean on the passing attack throughout the game to try to manufacture points because this is the mind-boggling number to me that I think maybe tells more of the story but is somewhat connected to the lackluster rushing performance. Coming into this game, the Seahawks, their opponents had... 11% of their drives end in three and outs. That's a very low percentage. The Giants yesterday had 11 possessions, though technically, remember, one starts at the two-yard line because Tyler Lockett loses the fumble. But I'll include that in the total. It still sells my point. Five of those 11 ended in three and outs. But if you want to remove the one that started at the two, then it's a true 50% conversion rate. Five of 10 legitimate drives where you actually had to go the length of the field, you went three and out. So that's another example of how effective this Seahawks defense was yesterday in comparison to what we saw in the previous weeks. Well, you know, I, I mentioned this to, to Slayton and, and even a couple of guys in the locker room. In the second half, which has usually been the Giants' half this season, they put up uh, two double-digit drives, 14 plays, 12 plays, and they settled for two field goals. Well, there you go, and that's the key. All right. Now, the first one, they got into the red zone and they had to kick the three. The second one, they didn't get to the red zone and, and they kicked the three. You got to get at least 10 points there. All right. If you don't get the two touchdowns, get at least seven and three. But they settle for two threes. 
And I thought that was a problem. See, part of the issue here with their quarterback, Geno Smith, is that you want to be able to get him behind. They took Walker out of the game. Kenneth Walker was not a factor, okay? But the Giants never got up on Geno Smith, never put him in a position where he had to bring them back. And I think that, to me, was a very critical point in this game. I told Seattle Radio, KJR, the other day, I said the only path to victory here for this for the Seahawks team is that if they keep the game close, Walker's able to run the ball, and that they don't have to rely on Geno to do anything. And what did they do? They kept the game close. Now, they didn't need Walker, all right? Giants shut Walker down. They didn't need him. The Giants did enough for self-destruction on special teams and offense that they couldn't pull away. But they allowed Geno to play in his comfort zone to where he was able to survive the game in the fourth quarter because he was never having to come from behind. And that, to me, was huge. Well, also, he wasn't pressured overwhelmingly. I, they had three sacks, but I didn't really think they were huge difference makers when it's all said and done. And he was efficient. That's what Geno's been this season. He had both yeah, of his wide receivers. They made plays for him. Tyler Lockett probably could have easily had another touchdown that went off of his face mask, but he dumped it off to guys. They got yardage after the catch. He made good throws. They stayed in mostly manageable third down. So all in all, yeah, the Giants didn't put Geno Smith in a precarious spot. Now remember, 10 quarterback hits, though, Lance. Do remember that. They had 10 quarterback hits, which is a nice number. No, it is a nice number, but I guess I want to go beyond the numbers. I'm talking about the optics, Paul. Watching that game, did you ever get the sense that they were, from a physical standpoint, dominating the line of of scrimmage. They lost it. So that's what I'm saying. I don't want to say they're empty stats because 10 quarterback hits, I mean, that is a good number, but I just, I don't think it went far enough other than the pain. I agree. That's my point. I agree. And more importantly for me, though, because I'm not going to kill this defense. They held Seattle a 3 of 13 on third downs, held them to under 100 yards, uh, dominated time of possession by 10 minutes, did a lot of things that you would want your defense to do. So I'm not going to I'm not going to really beat on the defense too much. I know Adoree Jackson got beat on two long pass routes. One was a drop, one was a touchdown. Miscommunication, busted coverage on uh, Metcalf in the end zone gave the Seahawks a free touchdown. I get that. So it was not a good performance by the defense, but I thought it was fairly good. To me, unfortunately, the offensive line and the tight end situation, which last week did not burn them against the Jaguars. Remember, they got better and stronger as that game went on after the three guys went out due to injury. Well, that didn't happen yesterday. Okay, it did not. The offensive line and the tight end spot did not block nearly well enough yesterday to get that job done. They performed much better in Jacksonville, and that was extremely disappointing. I wonder if that's a product, the more and more I think about this and you think about the developments in other sports, it's a lot different from just talking to coaches and athletes. When a player comes in in the middle of a game and the opponent maybe hasn't seen much of them versus now you got an entire week Mm -hmm. to look at their weaknesses and their strengths and see how you want to attack them. I'm not saying that that's the major thing, but you just wonder, Seattle knew going in, all right, Evan Neal, Ben Bredesen's not there. Most likely they're going to stick with Zudu and Tyree Phillips. Now we can focus on how we want to attack those guys as opposed to the Jaguars' middle of the game. Now all of a sudden they're seeing Zudu and Phillips, and those guys at that point, I mean, Zudu got in here or there, but Phillips barely played. 
So you just wonder if that may have played a role, that Seattle was better prepared to how to handle some of the guys that were jumping in off the bench. Yeah, I think you could probably make a case for that, Lance. I mean, you know what they tell you about guys uh, who play more? They're also exposed more. Sure, yeah. And, you know, I, I do wonder if that might have been part of it. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that Nick Gates uh, can reinsert himself into the offensive line mix. I don't know how many snaps he'll get against Houston. I don't know which spot he may challenge for, but I don't think it's going to be too long before Nick Gates has an opportunity to maybe wrestle away somebody's starting job. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. It's very possible they experiment a little bit during the course of the bye week. They'll have some time. And then also the return game, because that brings us to another major storyline from yesterday's game. Richie James, two fumbles off of punt returns, and that gave the Seahawks favorable field position. They scored 10 points off of those two mishaps. One they took over at the Giants, 19. That was the field goal. The other one, the Giants, 32. That was the Walker touchdown. So that was obviously huge turning points throughout the game, specifically the second one, because now you're down 20-13. to 13. You give them great field position, and they put him, They pretty much game over. put the nail in the coffin with respect to that second touchdown. But you can't, when you play so many close games as it is, okay, and you walk that tightrope, as I like to call it, where we could focus on five plays every single game. If they bounce the other way, who knows how it turns out for the Giants. Well, here we see where it bounced the wrong way for the Giants in another close game, and you see the result. You just you can't afford to do that, whether it be a team that struggles in the red zone like the Seahawks or whether it be a team that's extremely efficient. More often than not, they're going to capitalize to some degree, and that's exactly what Seattle did. Yep, and I also think the Giants were gassed. They have played a full first half of the season with emotionally, mentally, and physically draining games week after week after week after week. This bye could not come at a better time. Well, and that goes back to the point, Paul, about you know whether or not it's sustainable to play all these close games and come out on top more often than not. Because to your point, the mental fortitude, number one, that you need to win those minute battles that ultimately determine a game and the level of concentration and so forth. And I'm not denying the fact that this team can't be competitive moving forward in close games, but I'm a big believer and a subscriber to the law of average, which means if you play seven or eight close games, in all likelihood, you win the first four, the second four are not going to go the way the first four went and vice versa. And that may or may not come into play in the second half of the season, but the bottom line is because of the parity in the NFL, this is why we have such a competitive field of teams because there's a lot of close games and everyone is not winning 90% of those close games. And I think yesterday was an example of what happens when the Giants don't get necessarily those key bounces. Yeah. Now, one other thing that I want to bring up before we open up the phone lines at 201-939-4513, and that is Daniel Jones, who you could point to, we saw in the fourth quarter, you know, had to now all of a sudden be put in a position where he had to make some plays when he can't rely on the rushing attack. And what that means when the defense can hone in on some of these wide receivers, those guys are not making plays. 
it changes the dynamics, Paul, is what I'm saying of the offense. So I think my takeaway is this is great film overall for Brian Dable and the coaching staff because now they've been exposed to a different situation in comparison to the first seven games that they can look back on during the bye and better prepare for what needs to happen, what we need to take care of in the event that the rushing attack can't be the anchor to our scheme here. Well, I think we all agree the wide receiver room could use an upgrade. The question is, where's the fit? What's the price? And that remains to be seen. And the deadline is going to be Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern. So another day and a half for teams to assess the market as we move forward here. few reminders, the Giants Auto Podcast, you could go subscribe to that. Podcast features a rapid reaction right after each game with one of our analysts, an episode midweek featuring an interview with a national analyst, and then a game preview featuring a long-form interview with a current Giants player, an exclusive sit-down with Bob Poppin, and head coach Brian Dable, an opponent preview of that week's opponent search for Giants Huddle on your favorite podcast platform, or you can listen on the Giants app or at Giants.com slash podcast. Also, don't miss Giants football at MetLife Stadium. Limited tickets are available for all remaining home games, including a matchup with the Eagles. Visit Giants.com slash tickets to find your game this season and secure your seat. And then there's the Giants official connected TV streaming app, Giants TV. It brings original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to big blue fans. Giants TV is free on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire TV, as well as the Giants mobile app. Let's open up the lines as we move forward here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. We've got John in Cape Cod gets us going. What's happening, John? Good afternoon, Paul. Good afternoon, Lance. Hi. Uh, it was bound to happen. Hey, Paul, not a criti- not a criticism, but the other day, remember you said we got we got to make Geno Smith win the game. Right. I don't know who that guy. I don't know who that guy was playing Geno Smith, but he didn't like look like Geno Smith. Well, he's had a good season, John. Season. If you've been watching oh. Seahawks games, Geno has been pretty no, solid no, this no. year. No argument. I'm just talking about his performance from the past nine years before this year. Well, you know what it comes back to, John? It comes back to the environment shapes the quarterback as much as the quarterback shapes the team. That's the example. Yeah. Gino is in a very good environment right now, and they're playing to his strengths, and it's conducive to his success. Yeah, and over the years, you know, Seattle's home field's been a house of horrors for the Giants. Sure. The, it's uh, never an easy environment to play in there. With the noise, I mean, they had a delay of game penalty, the Giants, yesterday. Which was costly. Yeah. Do you know when on Saturday the entry list showed Metcalf out? When no, it didn't. It said he was questionable. John, it, it, John, it never said he was out. He was listed as questionable on Friday. Okay, mine must have been backdated because it said out on my cell phone. But No. DK Metcalf was always listed as questionable heading into the game. And Pete Carroll, I listened to all the opposing pressers. When Carroll spoke to the media Friday, he said Metcalf got in some practice. He was limited and that they were going to evaluate him closing into the game time. Good to know because, like I said last week, that guy's a beast. I thought thought that that they did a great job of, of stopping Walker. And the Seahawks did a great job of stopping Barkley. Um, I don't, I'm not faulting Daniel Jones. I don't think, aside from Slayton, any of the receivers really stepped up. You know, what did, what did um, uh, 
Sills have two catches for the game? Sills had one catch. Two targets. Yeah, one catch. Yeah, one. I mean, overall, the passing game, you could put everybody under the same umbrella. I mean, other than Darius Slayton, I thought, had several big catches on third downs yeah. to keep drives alive. Yeah. So he deserves some credit. I will tell you this. I expected Wandale Robinson to have a big game going in, especially with his yak ability. They only targeted him three times, and and two of the catches that he made were for tiny, minuscule yardage. I I was disappointed in that regard. But the truth is this receiver's room is thin. It's it's hampered. It's dented. It's broken. It's... It's not a full-fledged receiver's room. Now, short of them being able to import somebody, you're going to need Robinson to come along quickly, Slayton to continue his resurgence, and you're going to have to get something out of Galladay. Yeah, you're absolutely absolutely right, Paul. Two things before I go. Real quick. You there? Yeah, Uh, real quick. One is, I want to leave, okay, I want to leave on positives. One of them is uh, NewJersey.com says two to six weeks for Bellinger's return. And the other one was my highlight for the Giants, Nick Gates wiping out that guy at the goal line in the Barkley touchdown. He drilled that guy. You know, it was so good to see him on the field. Absolutely, John, and appreciate the phone call. It was very nice to see Nick Gates get back after that tough leg injury that required seven surgeries. So he was back on the field for the first time since week two. As far as any timeline that any outlets are providing for the return of a player, that's very much up in the air. And this is a bit of uncharted territory with the eye injury. So let's see how things pan out. I wouldn't pencil in your calendars. Daniel Bellinger is absolutely coming back this week, considering the severity of that eye injury that did require surgery. And you got Lawrence Cager now, who did play yesterday. I'm interested to see, Paul, what maybe he could provide moving forward, especially from a receiving standpoint. Daniel Jones targeted him yesterday. They were a little bit off, and I think part of that is how many reps has Daniel Jones and Lawrence Cager had on the practice field together, given the fact that he's been on the practice squad thus far? That was a big play just waiting to happen, and he missed him. What are you going to do? You know, sure. but yep. but I, I don't want to go to the next call without just reinforcing what the caller just mentioned about Nick Gates. It is a great story. Everybody around this building loves this guy. He is a wonderful teammate. He is a, a, a coach's favorite kind of player because he busts his rear end no matter what you ask him to do. An overachiever, a blue-collar guy. You know, we talk about the Suburbanites. We talk about, you know, Richie Seibert. He's he's one of those guys. He could have played on the 2007 team and been one of those linemen. He he fits in with the blood, the guts, and just let's get after it. He's a slobber knocker, if you will. And I just I I was so 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 happy when I saw him go onto the field in the in the goal line situation and I said to myself, "Oh please run it behind him. Run it behind him. He is salivating at the mouth. He's foaming at the mouth. He is going to obliterate the poor sap who's lined up opposite him." And that's exactly what happened. Well, it's just it's great to see the fact that he could play again. And I think Bobby Johnson when he spoke to the media the other day emphasized that If there's anybody that has some great perspective on life right now, it's Nick Gates because I'm sure in the back of his mind, he was wondering whether or not he'd ever get back on the field. So for him to just be in uniform on the field in a game setting is an accomplishment in itself. Anything they get on top of that, which clearly they've already done given his involvement in the goal line play is essentially icing on the cake. 
Let's head back to the phone lines. We check in with James in Kingsland. James, what's happening? Hey, what's going on, guys? Doing all right. What's on your mind? Uh, uh, not a bad loss, but a loss. Like I said, we're a very tired team. Uh, been out to London, Baltimore, very traveled, much needed rest. Uh, I do want to talk about a couple things, but glad to see Nick Gates uh, back and that lineup with uh, him, Thomas, Valenciano, Glowinski, and Neil. I think that's probably like our best five going forward. Um, Daniel Jones yesterday had a, a clean throwing pocket most of the day. I'd say on 90% of his passing plays, he had a, green, a clean pocket. You know, time to step up or move around or whatnot. The receivers just weren't getting open. Uh, toward the end of the game, we were we were right where we right where we've been all season. About to pull them into the deep end and see if they could swim. And what I called for, what cost us the game, it wasn't. You know, the fact that the offense couldn't get nothing going or the defense gave up a couple of plays here and there because that was just the ebb and flows of the game. Well, but James, in fairness, though, that was a huge factor. I mean, their lone touchdown came from two yards out off a fumble recovery. The other part of the offense only produced two field goals, so I wouldn't dismiss that. Certainly the Richie James fumbles were huge difference makers, but to just brush that aside, I don't think that's a fair telling development with respect to the flow of the game. And, and I don't want to excuse the busted coverage on Metcalf in the end zone. Exactly. I yeah, mean, no. that's, you know, no. how do you leave him wide open all alone? I mean, you know, two guys, oh, who's got him? <laughs> Touchdown. And Lockett's that's double that's move those, those on are, a Dory, too. Those are, but those are ebbs and flows. Like, we haven't played a perfect game all season long. And when uh, come the fourth quarter, it was still close to where we we're, you know, we're a possession away from tying the game. So it's not like there was a totally different boost out there yesterday and things that we haven't been doing all season long that's been successful for us the way we play just finally came back and bit us in the butt because, honestly, it wasn't like a, a play that happened and we fumbled or, like, a block was missed and Daniel Jones fumbled. This was Richie James putting the ball on the turf. Here's what I will say to you. I will give you this much, and I do think it was the Giants' worst overall performance of the season. Despite uh, having a number of good defensive series, I do think as a whole this was their worst game of the season. And we know, we've said it all along, they're not good enough to bring their C game and walk out of the building with a win. Okay? That's what happened yesterday. They brought their C game, and they lost. I will admit this to you. 13-13, early fourth quarter. I am thinking to myself, all right, this is their quarter. It's going to click. They're going to do what they have to do, and they are going to win the game. So in spite of all the crap that happened, it was not until Richie James' second fumble that I actually believed that the Giants could lose the game. I will agree with you emotionally but I, I cannot excuse the fact that the Giants did not play well. We didn't play. Yeah, we didn't play a good. We didn't play a, good, a great game. This is correct. Uh, and I guess even if you know, I don't look at favors and all that stuff, and uh, how much points other teams put up against other teams. That really, I don't really take 
much factor into that this year because when you come and play the Giants, it's a totally different game. You know, uh, every time, like, if you look at everybody we played and beat and even lost to the week before, they might have put up 40 points against the team and, you know, well, because it's a week-to-week week league, to your point, James. Right. I think that's certainly right. well taken, and appreciate the phone call. I don't think anybody would dispute that. There's only so much you could take away, especially if the previous opponent is not good at stopping the run or the pass, and you take advantage of those weaknesses. But, I mean, the way that I look at it is the Seahawks coming in, we're averaging 26 points a game. So we knew that their offense had been pretty consistent for the most part. And number two... The reason why I won't dismiss the Giants' offensive performance, regardless of the game being close, is, Paul, they've scored one touchdown in three different games this season. They've lost two of those three games. That's not a coincidence. The other games that they lost was the Cowboys game. They had one touchdown, and then they had one touchdown in the Panthers game. And that was a game that came down to the wire and was decided by a field goal. But the point is, the other games this season, three against Tennessee two against the Bears, three against the Packers, three against the Ravens. So other games, yeah, maybe the passing attack wasn't through the roof, but they were finishing drives with touchdowns. You didn't get any of that yesterday. So to me, that was the outlier. No, there's no doubt. And, of course, let's go back to the fact they had two starting offensive linemen missing and their starting tight end, who's a hell of a blocker. So that factored into it too. Sure. But then again, I mean, we're commending them last week for playing very well despite losing those guys. I said so, that earlier yeah. in the program. No, no, no I'm not, I'm not I was, saying that. You're not. I'm I was just saying underwhelmed it. because yeah. they had fooled me against the Jaguars by putting together a very productive second half. They did not look like the same line yesterday. Well, and that's why you got to take into consideration the ability to finish drives because I think that consistency out of the Giants was helping them finish games and win these close battles. You didn't have that element in play yesterday, and that was clearly a big difference maker. Let's head back to the phone lines. Wilson is in New Jersey joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Wilson? Hey, guys. How you doing? Good afternoon. Hey, listen, real quick, the Giants just look like a tired team yesterday. Uh, they just look tired. They look tired. They look like all the traveling just got to them. Um, and, but I told, my, I told my buddy, if the Giants get a lead, we win the game. What happened every time they stopped and to either get a lead, they fumbled the ball. So that, that was that was that. But you know what the biggest thing is? Well, they never had a lead yesterday. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, they but, never but, but, never but, had but, one. Remember, they were never in front the entire day. And I agreed with you. Right. I, I thought going in, that was the key. Make sure that right. Geno's got to come back and beat you because I don't think he will. Right. No, but Paul, listen. Remember when, when, when Xavier McKinney sacks Geno Smith, it's 10-10. Right. They had all the if the Giants don't fumble and they go down and they either go up thirteen ten or seventeen ten, it's a different ball game. You understand what I'm saying? So that I think that was one of the, one, one of the turning points of the game. But listen, what what I'm calling to you about is this. For I don't know if you agree or no, don't, don't agree with this. But listen, it would be a disservice for this for the fan base if they don't actually try to make a movement because six and two is six and two. You don't throw away seasons in the NFL because you don't know what next year is going to be. You could be a better team next year and be three and five. And you cannot keep going with these receivers. I mean, some of these guys wouldn't even make a practice squad. I'm going to go further than what you said. I'm going to stop you right there and go further. It's a disservice to the organization and to the players in that locker room if they don't try to make this team better. I absolutely agree with you 5,000%. 
But that okay. doesn't mean they haven't been on the phone having conversation. Saying no, that I, they're 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 having talks is a hell of a lot different than saying they can actually find the right fit at the right price and make a deal. Those are two totally different issues. And the price has I, to I be am, right. I, You're not going to give away resources that are going to hurt you potentially for the future just to rent yeah, a what, guy what, to help you in the second half of the season. But why are we talking about the future? That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. What are we but, talking about the future? Wilson, you have to understand, Joe Shane is a brand-new general manager. He's not thinking right. small picture about the final nine games of the season. He's thinking about how to retool this team to remain consistent for years, plural, I not have a flash in the pan. So what you have to understand is I don't disagree with you. Of course it's his job right. to do everything in his power to field a very competitive team in terms of right. what the players have laid on the line. But if a team goes to you and says, we'll give up this wide receiver and we want three three picks, and he goes, you know what, I don't want to give away those picks because I think I can address right. three other positions in next year's draft. I don't blame him then right, but let me for ask, thinking that way. Let me ask you something. But, but let me ask you. Yeah, but, but the NFL is not baseball. It's not basketball. You, you know, you don't, you don't send guys to the minors. What I'm saying is this. Look, I'll give you a perfect example, right? Uh, the Rams, uh, they, they, forget about the Rams. The Packers are 3-5. and five. They were, they were, they were going to be in the, in the Super Bowl. And mo, and most, most people pencil them in. For the Super Bowl, okay. You know what I'm saying. So this is the NFL, man. So, so listen, we've been we've been the Giants fans like myself uh, since 2010. We hear about the future every time. I don't want to hear about the future. Uh, let's worry about next year. Next year, what? what all right, all right. That's a very very dangerous way to think, especially when you're at the beginning of what you believe is a window of opportunity. That's what the Giants uh, are. They're not the Rams. I used this example on some other shows. The Rams going into last season were at a window that was closing with that group of players and Jared Goff. So what did they do? They went out and got Von Miller. They got OBJ. They traded for Matt Stafford. And they said, we are going to change the narrative because we're going for it this year. And we are going to mortgage the next five seasons to go get it. And they got it. The Giants are not there. But, Paul, I'm not not saying giving a first-round pick. But, I mean, come on. Second, all right, all right. So you, 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 yeah, but a second-round right, pick on, is valuable, hold though. On. Yeah. That's right. Lance is right. The second-round pick is very valuable. Here's what I want to ask you. We all agree the wide receiver room needs an upgrade, and the Giants are a 6-2 and two team, and it would, it right. would behoove them to see if they can improve and go get somebody. We all agree. We all agree. Okay. So I'm going to say to you, what is the price? You're going to go shopping. What is the what are you willing to part with? You're, you're telling me well, you're going to give up a two. You're willing to give up a two. I'm not. But, but if you're well, willing to give up a two, listen, that's okay. You're you're entitled to your opinion. I'll give a listen. I'll give up a two and and, and two threes because I'll, and I tell you why. Oh, you three picks. This, uh, listen, if if somebody says this, listen, I'll give you Jerry Judy. Give me a two. In two, three. No, 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 because no, 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 no. I know what I have. I, I know what I have in Jerry. <laughs> well, you, you, Wilson. Whoa, 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 whoa. You, you, you know what you're doing right there? You know what you're doing? You're getting a Hyundai for the price of a Jaguar. Are you out of your mind? Well, Wilson, let me ask you this question. Can you name me a wide receiver that was traded in recent history that single-handedly took a team and flipped them around? No. What I'm saying is this. 
Well, no, 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 no. Hold on. Let, let, let's stop there. No, no, no. See, now you're backpedaling. My point is, you th Jerry Judy, if I hypothetically put him on this Giants team, now all of a sudden the Giants are an unbeatable team. Is that what you're selling me on? No, I, I'm not unbeatable. Not unbeatable. But, but listen, with a, listen did, you, did you see the game yesterday? Daniel Jones had No, I didn't watch the game. He had to throw. Remember when the Cowboys gave up the big price for Cooper, Amari Cooper? Did that get them deep into the playoffs? Well, listen, Paul, it? you know you're not guaranteed anything. But all I'm saying is, that, all I'm saying to you is this: the way the, the Giants wide receiving court, wide receiving room right now is is the worst in the NFL. We can't. We're, so we're, no, 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 no. We're, we're, we're not arguing that. Please we're, don't listen, dispute something that we all agree on. Please don't do that. We're not disputing. We, we got to run. We got a bank full of calls here, Lance. Yeah. We got to keep no. going. Yeah. No. We'll, we'll get to that. And, and we're agreeing. I mean, I don't know why there's there's such a hot a hot balloon of air here. I mean, we actually. We agree. We yeah, agree. We're, we're, we're having a conversation. It's not, not the end of the world. It's just it's the difference between weighing your future assets to the long term health of your team versus just making a trade for the sake of making a trade. That's how I look at it. And also, you don't want to bring in a veteran who may be a rental. Maybe you get one more year out of him. You want to talk about getting a guy that's got a few years left on his rookie contract? Okay, maybe there's a little bit more benefit to that because he could be part of the future plan. You're getting more bang for your buck. But to bring in a player who gives you nine more games and maybe another season when you can wind up drafting somebody in the draft in a year or two, you know, you also have to weigh that as well. Well, Lance, I'll tell you what. If I, if I knew the Giants could get an upgrade and the guy, the guy would be a rental, I probably could part with a sixth or a seventh round pick. Yeah, I but, probably could do that, but I'm not going any higher than that. And something tells me, Paul, you're not getting a huge difference probably for not. a sixth or a seventh round. <laughs> no, okay? you might as well just so bring up Pimpleton or activate yeah. Robert Foster. Exactly. 100%. You work with your internal options. Let's head back to the lines. We check in with LaVon in Atlanta. LaVon, what's happening? Welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hey, I was worried Lance was going to steal my point uh, when Wilson was talking. I got two quick points. First one is... Um, we weren't going to go 16 and 1. We're not going to go 15 and 2. I'm more concerned about the next two games and how they respond after the Seattle game against two teams. And I hate to say this, we should beat. Uh, my second point, and the one I was afraid was going to get stolen, is we do need wide receiver help. But I think what's missing in the conversation, Shane and Dable inherited this team. When they started, it was evaluation. We didn't know we were going to be 6-2. and two. They're in a position where they're like, we're competing. Do we go all in and risk future assets and pretty much tell everybody that this is the team we're going forward with? Because if they invest future assets and get a DJ Moore, Jerry Judy, then you pretty much say to everybody, we believe in Daniel Jones. We need to get him help. We are going forward with him. We believe in Saquon Barkley. Do they want to do that, take that risk? Because if they do, then they can't just say, okay, if this doesn't work, these weren't our guys. We still have the ability to reset, draft our own quarterback, bring in our own skilled players. It's more than just this year that's very true. Sure. And, you well, don't and that's want what I was talking away. about. Hold on. Yeah. I, and that's why I was afraid you were about to steal my point. No, I, well, I mean, I basically I did lay that out, though, I would argue. <laughs> we just spent 10 minutes <laughs> yeah. trying to explain that to the previous caller. You you, yeah, you, you, you have a grip on this. It's fine. You, you're fine. Yeah, it's, it's more connected. It's, it's a holistic thing. We can appreciate the now, but you also got to consider it's a new regime. 
There's still questions about Daniel Jones. I would not trade a first-round pick for anybody um, that's available right now. Um, I don't think they would but do I that. I'd be, be very surprised if that happens. Yeah, I want to be competitive. I want to see the team win. We all do. So it's a very interesting conundrum, and I don't envy those guys. But it's a good problem to have with 6-2, and two, and let's, let's just go Giants. That's all I got. Thank all right, Levant. Appreciate the phone call. I'm going to ask you one real fast question here, Lance, and give me a, a, a thumbnail answer on this. How surprised would you be that by the trade deadline tomorrow, the four or five receivers that everybody's talking about being on the block don't wind up going anywhere, and they they stand pat because they could not find people willing to pay the, the price they wanted? I wouldn't be surprised at all. I mean, Neither we go would through I. this every deadline. Neither would I. There's a lot of chatter, and then nobody gets moved. Would I be surprised if one of those guys gets moved? No. I mean, maybe, to be honest with you, if there would be somebody that would be moved, I think it would be a veteran maybe going to a team that is content with renting him for a year and a half or whatever it may be. But I think most teams that, especially if they're in the hunt and you know you have a few years left on the guy's rookie contract, I don't understand the point of getting rid of a player like that. I think he holds value for your current team. Yeah. Why would you want to be such in a rush to part ways with that player. Judy, Judy's going to have a fifth-year option as a former exactly. first-round pick. I just I just don't understand this thinking, oh, we can get Jerry Now, There's no way you're getting Jerry Judy uh, for, for nickels on the dollar. That's not going to happen. I, I wish people would just let that go. Now, our other caller went to the other extreme. He wanted to give up three picks for him, which I thought was insane, too. Yeah, well, I mean, that goes back to, and I think where the caller was headed towards because he alluded to it, was the Rams. But, you know, as you mentioned, the Rams, you're talking about a team that since 2017, since Sean McVay took over, they've won double-digit games in four or five seasons. And the one season they didn't win double-digit games, they were 9-7. and seven. They also brought in a veteran quarterback in Matthew Stafford, and that gave them even more confidence that if you bring in Von Miller and you bring in Odell Beckham and you bring in some of these other pieces that you could very well continue what you're doing and then take it a step further. The Giants don't have the same foundation and framework that the Rams were operating They're on a with. different timeline. Exactly. That's all. It's very simple. So, but, but my point is, Paul, and I'm not saying you were coming from this area, it's you see examples with what other teams did. They snap their fingers. They give up two picks. They get player A. But mm-hmm. the Rams, once again... They were ultra-competitive and had a lot of playmakers. The Giants are not anywhere near the same stage with respect to the Rams in terms of track record. So it's very hard to compare. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. From that standpoint, let's head back to the lines. We check in with Dwayne in Texas. Dwayne, welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live. What do you got for us? Hey, thanks, guys. New York, New York. I love New York. You know, sometimes... Well, then you're living in the wrong state then, Dwayne. (laughs) That's the case. I know, right? Well, I'm just saying, what are you doing in Texas then? You might as well move and relocate. Hey, 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 I was in the military. I retired. Well, I I appreciate the service. Yes, thank you very much. It's it's a little bit too cold up there for me now. Oh, okay, I see. Well, listen, you you sacrificed enough, so we'll give you a pass with respect to that. What do you have for us today? (laughs) That's right. Well, 
you know, I wanted to talk about Richie James. Everybody's giving him a hard time. You know, it's football. People going to make mistakes. You know, I mean, he he's a young guy, and look at what he's done for us for the first couple of, you know, games that he played in. You know, he, he, you, you can't just all pile on him just because he made some mistakes. You know, you make mistakes, you live with it, you learn from it, and you do better. You know, and what I'm so proud of the Giants this year is how much they're competing, man. I mean, they'll take it all the way down to the last second, and I'm proud of that. New York, come on, guys. These guys are playing their hearts out, their tails out. They're traveling all over the country, all over the world, you know, and, and they're putting on a product that – New Yorkers can be proud of. You know, I'm proud of the six and two. I'd rather be six and two than two and six. Come on, guys. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. (laughs) No, they're in a great position, Dwayne. Entering the bye to win six of your first eight games puts you in a very good spot, and hopefully the team gets healthier over the course of the bye week, and that, you know, they don't miss a beat when they come out of the bye and they go up against a Texans team, which clearly has been struggling based on their record. I don't think the Giants are in any position, nor would they underestimate anybody based on how close of a game they've played each and every week. But, no, certainly a good position at the midway point of the season. There's no doubt about that, regardless of the setback of yesterday. Thanks, guys, for taking my call. I love, you got it. I love New York, man. Well, I think that's been well documented based on your enthusiasm, Dwayne. Appreciate the phone call. Thanks for giving us a ring. Rich is in Florida joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Rich? Uh, Good afternoon, Lance and Godfather Patino from lovely Satellite Beach, Florida. Tough day in Giants Nation. Uh, One thing that frustrates us and my crew is um, it's just there's a trend, not only yesterday, but in the last couple of years. Giants are third and eight. They run a curl pattern. It's a seven-yard pass. Fourth and one, they get a punt. Yesterday, they, they run these curls, and they're short of the, the first down marker. Why is that? Are they not coached, or they're not looking at where the marker is? Or The route tree obviously has a certain amount of steps, certain amount of earmarks where to, where to turn, but it's third and eight. How many times are you running a seven-yard pass? Well, I'd have to go back and look at the specific plays. Maybe Paul remembers them. I mean, the other thing you got to keep in mind. I see none of them yesterday. Yeah. I just went through my notes. I don't see any plays yesterday. John thinks there was one early where there was, oh, oh, here it is. Johnson, Marcus Johnson catches a three-yard pass on third and four. Yeah, there was a four. Yeah, I remember there that. There was one. Yeah. There was one. Good catch, John. There was one. One time that happened yesterday. Well, well, but I guess my point is, and once again, I'd have to go back and look at it, was somebody disrupting his route? off the line of scrimmage? Did he get to where he needed to be yeah, he in was, terms of the depth I remember the play the now. He was close, and I did remember shaking my head saying, oh, come on, man. You got you to gotta get that extra yard. Uh, but I, I do agree with the point, and he's making a generic comment here at Lance because I agree that more often than not, as this team has struggled over the previous ha- handful of years, they have had a very difficult time getting to the sticks on those pass plays. And and that's a generic comment that I can't give you the evidence for, but I agree with him in terms of the feeling. Hey, if you guys, I know you're in the locker room a lot, Godfather, and at the press conferences, like I think Dable has one today. When you get in, could you do us a favor? Because, you know, we watch every game. My, my colleagues have got, you know, 60 years each of watching Giant games. It is a trend. Can you ask the coaches that? 
Well, it hasn't been so much a trend this year, though. I mean, come on. Let's be fair. Uh, I can't. It, it happens. We see it, and we got three guys in every conference. I mean, it, it's going to it's going to it's going to happen every once in a while. I mean, no one's going to be perfect with it, but it has definitely been reduced this season. And to be frank with you, <laughs> the way this year has gone at six and two, I don't want to nitpick anybody at the moment. I would just assume enjoy what you got. Oh no, Paul! Believe me, we're you guys. You know, I li- we listen every day, and we're hardcore Giants fans. We would have never thought at the bye we'd be six and two. Come on, I mean it's it pinch me. I'm overjoyed, and, and I agree with the previous caller 100. percent The thing that we were looking for this year, and I remember Schmelk when he had his predictions and all that in, in August. We all were looking for let's be more competitive. Last year, and let's face it, in those final few games with the quarterbacks we had, they were non-competitive from the from the kickoff. This year, every game, even in the two losses. They were close. Sure. They, yeah. they, they are. We are very proud. I'm wearing my Giants jersey, my Giants shirt right now on Patrick Air Force Base. It is. We are proud to be Giants fans. We are overjoyed. Not the nitpick, but those third, those third down passes that we know are absolutely critical, considering the limitations we have at wide receiver. Well, Rich, you know, though, so no, in no, fairness. No, in fairness, though, they converted a third and 12. Sladen got 18 yards. They converted you're a right, third and 11. Right. Sladen got 21. They converted a third and 10. Hudson got 13 yards. And they converted another third and 10. Hudson got 18. That's pretty so, good. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, listen, yeah, well, I understand your point. But, I mean, at the end of the day, there were plenty of times where they did get to the chains and then some. <laughs> the problem so, is you're so conditioned to look for those pass plays that are short of the chains that any time one comes up now, it's going to burn you. That, that's that's what it's come down right. to, Rich. You've been conditioned you're to right. look for it. <laughs> well, yeah, you are. You know, like I said, we guys are conditioned. After every good play, the first thing we're saying is, is there a, where's the, is there a penalty? No flag? I mean, come on. Rich, be we're well, man. Yeah. Thank you. All right, appreciate the phone call. I mean, listen, it's understandable, but I think, you know, we got to take a step back, and I don't think that that Marcus Johnson coming one yard shy of the first down marker was the main reason that they ultimately lost to the Seahawks. There were a variety of other things and things that came in much more critical time that came back to bite them. Matt is in Massachusetts, and he joins us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Matt? Hey, fellas, how are you doing? Hi. Doing all right. What do you got for us? So, um, you know, I... The, uh, after yesterday with Richie James dropping two punts, and um, I have a name for you that may help the situation. It's not probably. Well, in fairness, though, he didn't drop the two punts. He fumbled them. In fairness, it wasn't a muff punt. Fumbled them. He ran and then got hit, and then and, he lost them. And as I recall, he's already he's had three three fumbles. Yes, this year, correct. Right? He had one against the recovered. Bears as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So if I was Joe Shane, I'd give Detroit a call and see if there's any interest in trading Khalif Raymond. Uh, He's a solid punt returner. And I think he was with the Giants. He was. Yeah, he was. was. And he, uh, on the wide receiver front, he could stretch the defense, and he's probably not going to cost a lot of money because I agree with you. You know, the chances of them going very far in the playoffs isn't likely, and you don't want to sell the future for now. But – He's a guy I think that could really help the team this year, and he probably wouldn't cost much. Well, they also have Robert Foster. He had a good day on the roster too. With Detroit. 
Yeah, I mean, What's listen, that? Raymond's a nice guy, and, and the Lions have a lot of depth at wide receiver. They got Josh Reynolds. They got Amon Ross St. Brown. They got TJ Hawkinson, their tight end. So, I mean, could they be open to parting ways with somebody like that? And they're one in six at this point. So, yeah, I mean, it's very possible, and I don't think you're going to have to give up a lot. But I guess my response, Paul, would be Robert Foster's another guy on the practice squad. He's got special teams experience, and he's a speedster who could stretch the field like Raymond. So, you know, maybe you say, well, let's give Foster an opportunity who was with Brian Dable in Buffalo Mm -hmm. as opposed to giving up any assets for any other player. And I also brought up a name who came from Detroit because uh, Raymond had beaten Pimpleton out. And that's why Pimpleton was available, but the Giants did sign him to the practice squad. If you know what I mean, I mean literally, if if you're so frustrated with this room and you can't get somebody from the outside, well then your only choice is to go to the practice squad and look at these two guys and say, okay, can either one of you two guys give us some productive snaps? And that may very well wind up being what happens here, Lance. There's a real chance that they don't get anybody from the outside. And, and I, I just hope that people aren't going to totally freak out if the trade deadline passes. We've tried to prepare them and explain to sure. them why that's unlikely. But yet there are still people wanting to bang their head against a brick wall, thinking that they're going to get some superstar receiver at some really ridiculous trade price. And, you know, it's not going to hurt this team down the road. I, 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 don't, I, I think this is the fantasy football mentality that's it infected is. people. No, I think that's a great line, Paul. I mean, the bottom line is if you want to go for a splash, why don't you call up the Vikings and ask for Justin Jefferson? Why don't you call up the Rams and ask them, you know what, we think Cooper Cup could be a difference maker for us. What do you want for Cooper Cup? I mean, we got to return to reality here. You can't make a trade. And I said this on the postgame show yesterday on the Giants Radio Network because we had a similar caller. You do not make trades to appease a fan base. I may, it may be tough to hear, but I, it's got to be said. Joe Shane is not listening to sports talk radio every day and saying, if I don't make a trade, you know, we're going to be in a very tough spot. He's thinking, does the trade make sense for now as well as for years to come? That's what he has to weigh. That doesn't mean that he doesn't think this team can improve and that this team doesn't have a realistic shot to make the playoffs, but he can't get caught up in the raw emotion of the first eight games of a season and say, I've got to be ultra-aggressive, i got to put all my chips on the table so that I can simply get something in return so that I can steal the headlines on social media. That would be irresponsible. Exactly, exactly. And that's my point. And I think a lot of fans are acting out of emotion where they see 6-2, and They feel, okay, you bring in one wide receiver. Daniel Jones has an additional target, more first downs, more touchdowns. Football doesn't work like that. See, football is not like basketball, Paul. And I know I don't need to explain this to you, but I'm just talking to you since you're my partner in crime here on this program. (laughs) But in basketball, the reason why I'm bringing this up as an analogy is one guy can make a huge difference. On a 15-man roster, if I bring in a point guard or a shooting guard, yeah, I would argue that can maybe take your team to the next level. Football, even one wide receiver, you'd be hard-pressed to give me multiple examples in NFL history where one wide receiver moved at the deadline, and then all of a sudden the team won six out of its next seven games and went on to win a Super Bowl. You just you don't see that happen. I, the I, will, why I will say this. It's because defense, special teams, and all those other facts. It didn't happen at the deadline, but Plexico Burris did take the Giants' offense to a whole new level and Eli Manning to a whole new level. Uh, A.J. Brown has gone to Philadelphia. Now they okay, also, all off-season moves. Right, yeah. right. Off-season moves. 
it, I agree with you that at this stage of the season, it's hard to imagine a huge impact guy changing teams and producing those kinds of results. But yes, there have been occasions during the offseason where that one receiver has certainly boosted an entire offense to to another level. Uh, that's not what we're talking about right now because we're already in week eight. Yeah, well, that's why I'm focusing on the deadline. I'm, I mean, I could give you tons of examples in the offseason. Teams have an opportunity to evaluate free agents. I mean, that's what Galladay was yeah. supposed to do when he got here, right? Sure. He was supposed to take this offense to another level. Yeah, but when you bring in a guy midseason, also, by the way, he's got to learn your scheme, too. You know, in the offseason, yeah. A.J. Brown, Plexico Burris, who you named, they have the entire offseason. They got OTAs. Lance, you know great idea. Let's go get Diggs from the Bills. <laughs> There's another guy. I'm sure Buffalo would love to part ways with him, right? I mean, because they don't have aspirations. And, and the Bucks are in the tank. Let's go get Mike Evans. Yeah. Well, I mean, of course. <laughs> but, no, in all seriousness, the last caller who brought up Khalif Raymond, see, that to me is a logical suggestion. You know, could you look to add a complimentary guy who maybe you don't have to break open the piggy bank for? Sure. I mean, that's practical. And you have him contribute on special teams. You add him as a receiver. That is not a stretch at all. It's when we're talking about guys that you got to give up second-round picks, high assets that in the long run is right. not going to make a difference. That's the big thing. Yeah, and so. I, I'm still holding true to my belief that Shane's probably not going to part with a first or second-day draft choice. Coach Dable's coming on the Zoom in, mo- in a couple of moments here, uh, Lance, so I don't know. Maybe you want to cut out. I know I certainly need to listen to this. Okay. Well, with that being said, I think it's an appropriate time to wrap up. That is going to do it for Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. We appreciate everybody tuning in. We'll be back up and running again on Tuesday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. Today's episode, part of the Giants platforms everywhere and Giants.com slash podcast. For Paul Dettino, I'm Lance Meadow. Enjoy the rest of your Monday and stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest. Have a good one. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.